welcome to Thieves Monthly Movie Loot. This is episode 19. Today I'm going to talk about the first films I've seen in August. Now, if you remember, last episode I asked you via Twitter to send me film recommendations as gifts since my birthday was in August, and you guys really delivered the goods. Aside from these recommendations, I also sneaked some more Disney films with my kids, so let's talk about it. A film with a senior cast. I chose this category because of Senior Citizens Day, which is on August 21, and for it I got a great recommendation from an online friend that goes by the name of Popcorn Reviews. I've known Popcorn for a while now from an online film forum, and he recommended David Lynch's The Straight Story. Based on a true story, the film follows Alvin Strait, played by Richard Farnsworth, as he embarks on a journey from Iowa to Wisconsin on his lawnmower to visit his little brother. I'm a Lynch fan, so I didn't need a push to choose this, but thanks to Popcorn for bringing it to my attention. Here's what he wrote about this film. Though an atypical Lynch film, it serves as a reflection of my indifference towards most film endings in that it's not so much about the destination as much as it's about the journey getting there. This film seems to agree as it's more interested in exploring the setbacks Alvin encounters throughout his journey and the people he meets and inspires along the way than the end result of his road trip. And I agree. First of all, the film was truly light not only because of the earnestness of its story, but also because of the craft that Lynch puts at work, even in a simple, straightforward story like this. No pun intended. Like Popcorn said, most of the focus is on the journey and the people that Alvin meets along the way, and Lynch populates the film with an assorted array of characters that could have very well been taken off of Twin Peaks. There is an endearing oddity to them that you can help but enjoy, as we see Mr. Strait impart wisdom onto them in the best of ways, with the message of family unity and brotherly love being the most upfront. As someone who considers himself lucky to have the siblings that I have, those bits where Alvin reminisces of the time spent with his brother and the opportunities lost through the years, well, they really got to me. Farnsworth is excellent on the role, conveying the sadness and regret with equal dose of acceptance and aplomb in him, and he pretty much carries the film all the way on his lawnmower. Now, if you enjoyed Popcorn's recommendation and his talks on the film, you can check out his YouTube channel titled Actively Insane. Unfortunately, he's not on any of the main social media platforms. For now. A film from the 1001 movies you must see before you die list whose ranking includes the number 8. For this category, I got a really interesting recommendation from a Twitter friend called Scruffy. He threw me a bunch of recommendations, but one that really caught my eye was 1920s Within Our Gates. The film follows Sylvia Landry, played by Evelyn Prier, a young African-American woman with a troubled past that finds herself in the middle of racial turmoil when he travels north to raise money for a poor school in the south. This is one I hadn't heard about before, so when Scruffy mentioned it, I looked it up, and reading the synopsis, I was really drawn to it. The film was directed by Oscar Michaud, an African-American director who many think was responding to D.W. Griffith's The Birth of a Nation with this. The film might not have reached the technical notoriety of the latter, but it does succeed in its honest portrayal of American life in the early 20th century, particularly for African-Americans. Despite being released a hundred years ago, the film doesn't shy away from portraying the horrors of the Jim Crow era, lynchings and racism per se. I also appreciated the use of a non-linear narrative, even though it took me a while to catch up how some events were unfolding. Within Our Gates might not be perfect, 
and the very ending might feel a bit too preachy, but it's very much an essential film that should be mentioned more often. Now, if you enjoyed this recommendation, you can follow Scruffy on Twitter. He's at I underscore BE underscore Scruffy with two Fs. He loves pirates, books, and wandering thoughts. A film based on a book. This category was because of Book Lover's Day, which was on August 9, and for it I went with 1942's Bambi. This one wasn't recommended by anyone in particular, but was rather a spur-of-the-moment watch for me and the kids. The film follows the young fawn Bambi from birth to adulthood. During the course of his life, Bambi learns about life and his surroundings thanks to his mom, while meeting other friendly animals like a rabbit named Thumper and a skunk named Flower. I don't know if I ever saw this when I was a kid, but if I did, I didn't remember. To be honest, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. The story is simple but beautifully presented. There really isn't much depth beyond the basic premise, but the strength of the film lies on its visuals and music. To me, the highlight was the way its multiple directors integrated things like the different seasons and the operatic score into the plot. There are various sequences where the animation seems to be so carefully synced to the music that it makes you wonder if the score was composed to fit the animation or the other way around. Aside from that, the story is really sweet and moving and the characters are charming. Plus, the kids seem to be really into it. A film with the word dog in its title. I chose this category because of Dog Day, which is on August 26th. For this one, I got a great recommendation from another online friend that goes by the name of Captain Terror. I know Captain from the same online forum where I know Popcorn, and he recommended several films, but among them was Bong Joon-ho's Barking Dogs Never Bite. After several years and five films, I've become a fan of Bong's work, so when Captain mentioned this one, I didn't hesitate one bit. The film follows an unemployed professor, played by Lee Sung Jai, that feels tortured by the barks and yaps of dogs around his apartment and sets out to do something about it. Meanwhile, a maintenance worker slash bookkeeper at the apartment complex, played by Bay Donna, tries to investigate what is happening to the dogs. When I asked Captain about it, he said, It's been so long since I've seen it that I couldn't say anything specific now. I liked it quite a bit, but now looking back at Bong's filmography, I just realized I'd probably rank it second to last, which says a lot about how great his other films are, I guess. So yeah, great debut, but sort of suffers in hindsight by being followed by a masterpiece like Memories of Murder. In general, I agree with Captain's sentiment, but the truth is that this is a very well-made film, being a debut, you would expect a certain amateurishness to it, but there's pretty much none of that here. Bunk shows a mastery of the camera from the get-go, with some great use of wide shots, tracking shots, slow motion, and scene framing. The film also has the typical tone mishmash we've come to know Bunk for, with some really funny moments of dark comedy, mixed with some more serious tinges of drama. This drama is mostly conveyed through Lee's character, whose personal frustrations boil over as the film progresses, leading to some crazy shenanigans, but also to some more deep and introspective moments. If you're like me, you'll probably laugh at some of it and will be left thinking at others. And if you've liked other Bong films, I'm sure you'll like this one. Now, if you enjoyed Captain Terror's recommendation and his thoughts on the film, I regret to inform you he lives off the grid, he's not on social media, but says that his classmates.com account from 2003 might still be active. 
any film that starts with the letters O or P. For this category, I got a good recommendation from a Twitter friend called Darren Lucas. He recommended 2013's Odd Thomas. The film follows the titular character played by Anton Yelchin, a young man with the power to see dead people, which he uses to help solve crimes. This is part of what Darren wrote on his website, moviesreview101.com. I have always been vocal of my love for this film. Anton Yelchin was the perfect choice for this role. He has the charm that only he could have bought to this role. He has fantastic chemistry with Addison Timlin as his girlfriend. The film doesn't fall into full horror or action, but brings it back to what Buffy the Vampire Slayer gave us, which is a credit to director Stephen Sommers. This is a film I would always like to see a sequel, but I guess this is something we will never get to see now. The truth is that this is another film I hadn't heard of until Darren mentioned it, and when I looked it up, I saw that the reviews weren't precisely glowing, but part of his pitch was that Willem Dafoe and Jelchin should help swing the boat. And it helped. To be honest, although Dafoe is always a trait to watch, here he is more or less wasted as the detective that knows about Odd's powers and helps him. However, Jelchin is the real star. He infuses his character with that charm that Darren mentioned, an endearing naivete and aloofness that helps sell the premise while establishing the tone of the film. I also agree with Darren in that he had wonderful chemistry with Addison Timlin, who plays his girlfriend. The film manages to walk a fine line between silly fantasy, light humor, and tinges of drama, but for the most part, it works. Maybe it does push a bit too hard in the last act, but most of what happens feels earned. Among the cons, there's a lot of CGI used, and it's not always top quality, but overall, this was a fun and enjoyable watch. Now, if you enjoyed Darren's recommendation and his talks on this film, you can look him up on Twitter at NewGuyReview101. He also has his own website titled MoviesReview101. Darren is also a writer on Ready Jump Cut, so look him up. A freebie for the kids. About a week ago, I put the original Lion King for the kids. Now, in case you've been living under a rock, the film follows young cub Simba, who is set to follow his father, King Mufasa, as king of the pride. But when his evil uncle plots against them, Simba ends up on the run while Scar takes over. This is one I have seen several times, but I wanted the kids to see it. It was fun and cool to see them caught up in it. The moment of the stampede seemed to have them on the edge, and they seemed to really enjoy hating Scar, or the one with the cut eye as they called him. As for me, I've loved the film ever since I first saw it, but something I mentioned in a previous episode, it was interesting to see how they borrowed some bits from the Jungle Book with almost no change. Uh, the hero on the run befriends another creature who teaches him to take it easy and enjoy life while eating bugs and singing, dancing. I'm not that bothered by it, but I just never caught it before. Regardless, the film is great and I must see. A romantic film. For this category, a good online friend called Brian Clarkson came up with 2006 Priceless. The film follows Irene, played by Audrey Tattoo, a gold digger that finds herself involved in a relationship with John, played by Gad Elmaleh, a waiter that lies to her about his job the first time they meet. The premise isn't particularly new, but the film survives on the strength of Tattoo and Elmaleh's performance and their chemistry. Tattoo seems to flip the coin on her Amelie character here with one that's not meant to be entirely likable, at least at first, but she sells it really well. However, I was really surprised with El Malé, who I had never heard of. Apparently, he's a huge comedic actor in France. He has a mixture of charm and innocence that he manages to mix with a subtle dramatic flair while never going overboard either way. 
there's a moment on the film where Irene says, you can't resist beauty, but you can't resist charm. And although El Malé is a handsome man, it is that charm which makes his scenes with Tattoo feel so delightful and, well, charming. The ending might have been a bit too formulaic, but at that point you should have been sold on it already, so it wouldn't matter. Now, if you enjoyed Brian's recommendation, you can look him up on Twitter at BrianClarkson5. A film from John Huston. John Huston was born on August 5, same day as me, so I wanted to see something from him. A couple of guys from that online film forum I've mentioned, Kgard and Brian, well, they came up with 1972's Fat City, which I didn't know about. The film follows Billy Tolly, played by Stacy Kitch, an aging washed-up boxer that tries to take a young prospect, played by Jeff Bridges, under his wing, while also trying to straighten up his personal life. This is one I had never heard of, so thanks to both Brian and Kegar for bringing it up. Kegar had the following to say about Fat City. I guess I wouldn't put Fat City above Treasure of the Sierra Madre or the Maltese Falcon, but I don't think I'd argue too hard with anyone who does. Definitely worth watching. Up to this point, I had only seen two Houston films, which are the ones Kegard mentioned, and I thought both were fantastic. Houston made those very early in his career. However, I read Fat City came after a couple of flops when he was in his late 60s. It is interesting to see Houston hit back with a story of a washed-up boxer that manages to, well, hit back in some way. But the beauty of the film is that it's not so much about boxing, but rather about Tully and his emotions. I was very pleased to see a rather deep look into a middle-aged man full of regrets, struggles and insecurities, just trying to scrape by. If anything, I felt that Bridges was pretty much brushed aside at some point, which didn't allow for many of the parallelisms they hinted at to fully work. But I really didn't care that much. This is Tolly's story and Kish was great in the role. If you enjoyed this recommendation, I already gave you Brian's information. For Kgard, you can look him up on Twitter at suentuspo. That's S-U-E-N-T-U-S-P-O. So that's it for this episode. I want to thank each and everyone that dropped any recommendations on Twitter, Letterboxd, or online film forums. There are still some recs I haven't gotten to, but might do so before the month ends. For now, I'd like to reiterate my shoutouts to Popcorn Reviews, Scruffy, Captain Terror, Darren Lucas, Brian Clarkson, and Kgard for their recommendations. Follow them, they're all great guys. If you feel like recommending anything, these are the categories I still have pending for the rest of August. A film with the number 8 in its title, a film from the 1970s, a film set in school, a film featuring a clown, a film from Switzerland, a film with the word left in its title, a film set on a plane, and a film featuring a volcano. So once again, if you want to play, look me up on Twitter at TIFCGT, T-H-I-E-F-C-G-T. Check out my pinned tweet and reply with any film recommendation you think might fill any of these criteria. You can also find me on Letterboxd as Steve 12 I have a list for this month there where I'm listing everything I've seen so far. Like I did this episode, any recommendation I see, I'll give you a shout out on the next episode. So I look forward to your recommendations. Now it's time for... Useless Movie Trivia. Since we're talking about John Huston, here's a bit of trivia about him. During filming of Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which follows a trio of gold prospectors, Jack Warner from Warner Brothers went crazy with the weekly expenses. At what point he shouted to producer Henry Blank, Yeah, they're looking for gold, alright? Mine! 
Apparently, Houston and Blank had led Warner to believe that the film would be an easy picture and they would be in and out of Mexico in a couple of weeks. So when the true scope of the film became evident and so the expenses, Warner was not pleased. So that's all for... Useless Movie Trivia. It's done. It's over. That's the end of episode 19 of Tiff's Monthly Movie Loot. Thanks to everyone for recommending and for listening. Remember to look me up on Twitter. Talk to me. Let me know what you think about the films or the podcast. Have a great week. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost. In time, like tears.